All right, we're going live. We're going live. You know what we're going to do, though? Uh, now that we're looking at the uh, uh, back cam, we're going to go ahead and hit the music. But we're going to go live. I'll be right back after these messages. With a piece in my hand and bloodshot eyes, I walk to the water for a last goodbye. He begs so much, it clouded my mind. One thing's clear, the man's gotta die. It makes right, so he said, when he held all the keys over. All right, we're going live. I lived in that grip, but now he'll learn at the end with the tables turned. Lord, forgive me and take me oh, down the river where the kids can't find a red hand to center. Oh, where the grave can't cry out. Down the river with a hand on a colt and a finger on the trigger. And oh, the on they try to find me. Take me on down. Take me on down. I sank that body by the river bank. Caught a boat sap, took off like a hurricane. With spotlights, dogs, hit the whole nine yards. I'm breathing down my neck and breathing hard. Two weeks in a wild chase across the highways, mountains, over seven states. Found a man at the harbor, said that he could take me across the ocean somewhere far away. Lord, forgive me. Take me on down the river where the kids can't find the red hand to send her where the grave can cry out I don't Down the river with a hand on a coat And a finger on the trigger And oh, before Tony tried to find me Take me on down Take me on Coming on the boarding plank now Staring down a barrel at bomb blank range I make for the water jumping up the ledge But not before I get to the chest Now there's blood and water filling up my lungs Blood and water filling up my lungs My heart is beating like a fading drum Lord forgive me, here I come It take me Oh, take me on that. 
changing people's lives. You're changing people's lives. Let me back out of this camera here. Oh, I bumped my dash cam. What's up with that? We got to make sure we get that going. How about that? That's a better view. All right. I'm going to bring me in. There I am. So we are rocking and rolling. So Wednesday is going to be the logistics show. We're going to talk a little logistics. We're going to talk a little trucking, brokering, tr and carrier driving, whatever we need to talk. We're also going to be able to take some call in. So um, I guess I have a co-host uh, who's made his way uh, to join me today. Uh, and that would be, uh, I think this guy, there he is. Look at that. We went high tech. It took me long hours to convince him to get a green screen and not a green shirt. Um, but we actually got him to, to go full green screen, uh, and go all high tech. So, um, I want to thank, this is cash, uh, hauling cash in his YouTube channel. Uh, you probably know him. And he's going to be the co-host for the logistics show because I, I guess I need to eventually talk some type of trucking and things like that. All right. Yeah, at some point. How's it going there, Cash? Man, it's rocking if there weren't problems just constantly coming up with the industry and people in the industry. And, oh, my Lord, you got to love it. Got to yeah, love it. You, because um, uh, uh, we were going to start last week, and he actually um, did me – did me a solid and he went out and you see how, how I use that word. Did you like that? Did you like that? Um, he actually hauled him uh, some freight for me. So we had a situation and I got the phone call and he basically said, look, look, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to put tires on my truck. I'm like, well, thank you. Um, and I'm going to get an oil change and I'm going to go haul this load. And, and he ended up hauling the load out to, to uh, the, actually China Fornia. Yeah, dude, actually, it wasn't bad. And to be honest, the route across, like when the guy in Arizona saw my routing choice, he was like, huh, good route. I'm like, yeah. He was like, you avoided everything in California. I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, the other thing real quick, um, just so I want to say is basically uh, Will from Cold Beer, my, the other co-host that we kind of do a bunch of stuff together, uh, his original channel went down. But he, we are, if nothing, resilient. Uh, he was able to quickly get up and running, get another channel that we had basically set up on YouTube, and he's now covering somebody. So if you guys aren't, um, once you're done here, you should probably jump over and go watch his show. And you can, uh, guys, you're welcome to drop his uh, links in my chat there for the new one, if you would. Um, so he's covering some stuff over there. So I did want to cover that real quick and let him, you know, uh, give a shout out to Will at Cold Beer. And like I said, mods can drop the new channel for him if they would. Um, and his Twitch channel, because he's both on YouTube and Twitch. Alrighty, let me move this one's going on. So, we got a couple things I wanted to talk about. So, there was a couple things I wanted to talk about, a couple things I want to bounce off you, and then uh, I'll probably set up to either take phone calls, which I can take phone calls, or you guys can click the link. Um, if you're in trucking, you have logistics questions, I just so everybody kind of knows and has an idea of, of our backgrounds, I have a CDL. I've been driving since I was 20 years old. I've driven over the road. I've driven local. Um, I was an owner operator. I was a Landstar agent, left Landstar, uh, went on to do a couple other brokerage stuff, opened up my own brokerage, and now I specialize in heavy haul. Um, I think you're also in trucking in some means, right? Cash, don't you do something in trucking? No, you know, I, I thought I did. Uh, no, I do a little bit, man. Uh, uh, owner operator, uh, ran the CDL, done company driver, owner operator. I'm a carrier, have my own brokerage, um, leasing company, and all that stuff set up. So, yeah, I mean, I'm in the game too, kind of dabbling. Yeah, you actually did the holding companies and everything, right? 
yeah, no, I, I structured it to, to the goal was to go about 15 years, package that baby up and sell her off to somebody that was really annoyed with me being in the market and just being one of those guys that got shoved out of the way for a couple million dollars. But, you know, dreams, we'll see. Goals, that's what it is. Opportunities. Yeah, um, hashtag goals. Yeah. So exactly. So a couple things. So I actually have a couple things I wanted to cover. Um, and one I'm going to cover real quick. I'm going to go back to this screen here, actually, and turn off the dash cam, go with my display, turn my display back on. So a couple things going on in the industry. So one, we've talked about this before, and I don't want to obviously the AB5 thing. Um, I know you guys been here. The AB5 thing was basically something that, you know, covered California. They came out with a law and said, hey, all you and our operators are now company drivers if you fall under this category. Um, and that category was very damaging because they basically said, hey, if you do something that the person hire you is doing, if it's the same. So if you're in trucking and you're in trucking and they have control over you, well, that's a problem. Um, and that's caused a lot of drivers to about 70,000 of them to be put into like, they don't know what to do at this point. They don't know how they're going to be fine. They don't know how these, you know, they're going to be ticketed or they're going to just receive something from the state that says, hey, you owe this much in taxes. Um, so right now they're all protesting down there at the ports, at least. So this affects us because California seems to make the worst decisions in the world. And it leads to the rest of us being punished for that. So that's kind of one of the things I did want to bring up. Um, yeah, I, think, I think it's 70 70 percent of the truckers in California are classified as owner operators yeah especially at the port because the port guys a lot of those guys were owner operators and you know and the best part about this is the port now had a rule that went into effect that basically said look if you leave your containers here for more than nine days uh we're gonna start charging you a hundred dollars a day per day compounding numbers and that was just i was like you you've got to be kidding me and now you've got drivers that can't go in and get those containers out of there uh, the rates are going to start to skyrocket. And if the rates start skyrocketing there, they eventually, you know, it reaches us when we go to buy our peanut butter. Well, and this, this leads into what you were talking about the other, was it last week in the same, in same regards, I mean, about the, the construct of the government towards the government, towards the ports and what they're trying to do. Right. Cause right. In, inevitably gridlock, right. Without saying it. Absolutely. And and this is something that it, I, we they just seem to do knee jerk reactions. And, and I truly believe they knew what they were doing or they knew what was going to happen uh, because I pulled a bunch of articles back when this went into effect from the person who put the bill in place. Um, and she was all about going after truck drivers. She specifically said, look, um, you know, you truck the trucking industry has been taking advantage of it. And then everybody was supposed to go after all got exemptions and truck drivers didn't. Kind of funny there how that worked well, out. Well, and it was it was it was it's clear that she obviously didn't know who she was referencing either because initially from what I gathered, her conversation was primarily targeting the major carriers who were right. doing subleases inside of that carrier, you know, and, and putting owner operators in a bind basically where they're paying for the trucks that the carrier provides, and then they're also paying for all the fuel that they provide and they're paying for you know essentially everything and they're 1099. So the the carrier at that point has full control of that entire person or business. And, uh, you know, like for in some cases, there's a major carrier out of Missouri. I know a guy who was there that they controlled his CPA. They control they helped him set up his business. 
Mm-hmm. They helped him set up his bank account. They helped him set up everything. So literally the entirety of his business was developed by that carrier for the specific purposes to only benefit the carrier. So in right. that sense, I saw where she was going, but the, you know, the ignorance of not knowing that law or the fact that the woman that was right. creating it wasn't even directly involved with the business just ends up putting it where you've got a, a giant shit show today. So, right. And congratulations it, you lady for your shit show decision. And this is the end of, this is a part of like I said, the industry of trucking is a monstrous industry. It is a, I've mentioned this before. It is a infrastructure industry. It is affected technically. It is in the constitution. It is something that is monstrous when it comes to you know logistics and commerce and things like that. And you, I, there, you have a lot of people that don't realize, you know, they don't know what they're doing, and then they affect this stuff. Then they're like, "Well, too bad, deal with it." And it's like, okay. And now we have protests heading down there, and ports going to you know blocking. Well, this port- doesn't affect just trucking, does it? No, it doesn't. But there's been a lot of exemptions that uh, people that have been exempted out of that. It, but trucking has not been one of those exemptions. So it does affect a whole bunch of other industries, um, like a photographer and stuff like that. But they've been giving exemptions to the people like Uber and stuff like that, that were one of the main people they were going after. Those guys ended up getting exemptions. And it's like, OK, what does that uh, tell you? She's not going to get rid of the trucking, man. That's That was a whole foundation building block of what she built this on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Anywhere. So, and then the other thing I wanted to cover real quick, uh, well, before I got started was, so I had an industry, uh, uh, I have a try. And so if anybody's looking for factoring, I've got a great factoring deal. I worked real hard to get it. Um, just go ahead and reach out to me. Um, it's with a, the top it's with triumph. It's one of the top factoring companies out there. They're a bank, they're a factoring company. They're on the stock market. They're big. I've been with them. I, I believe uh, to the best of my knowledge, um, I'm the senior, uh, freight broker that's been there. I came over when it was Interstate Capital Corp. They brought and then they were bought out, and I went over there with them. So I've been with them f- for a long time. So I get a deal uh, now. I do get a small, you know, you got to come through me to get it. You can't just mention me. You actually have to call me on the phone, and I'll basically, you know, put send people over. Um, I do get a small percentage of that from putting this all together, but I did trust me. It's a negotiated great deal. So I had to call and complain because I do that. So if you're part of my deal and something isn't right, I will jump on the phone and, and you know, say, hey, we, we got to get this corrected. So, and I, I did get it corrected. It's all handled. But I had a guy reach out to me, and when he called over there, one of the, well, you're part of the deal. The part of the deal is that your carrier and your broker can get factoring. And if you don't know what factoring is, basically they front you the money, and then they collect from the customer on the back end so you can keep money going, keep turning and burning, um, and they handle all that. They're like a financial back office. So he, when he called over there, he didn't get the person, my normal person, because uh, they were on vacation. And they were told that when it comes to brokering as a new freight broker, no one will touch you for about a year. And that, you know, there's, you know, you're not going to get any credit. It's going to be very hard to get credit and things like that. So I kind of want to explain something real quick. Um, and how to handle this if you're a new freight broker and you have some type of factoring. Because I've got a lot of people that were on Facebook that's that you have reached out to me and stuff like that. So when, I want this show to be out there. If you're a new freight broker, let's say you're, I, I normally tell you to get at least three months in, about 90 days at least. Because once you're up and running for 90 days, they start to say, okay, they're legitimate. They've been up for 90 days at least or more, uh, you know, or four months. What you do is, 
if you have a load to move and you have another way of building credit, but I want to deal with, I want you to kind of explain what you did with that. But if you are a new carrier and a carrier calls you for one of your loads, the first thing you want to tell them is say, look, I don't know if your factoring company will give me credit. Do not send me an NOA, which is a notice of what's the last word? Assignment. Assignment. Notice of assignment. I kept saying, you know, do not send me an NOA. If you are a freight broker and a trucking company sends you an NOA, which is a notice of assignment, you have to honor it. You cannot ignore it. But if you say, don't send me the NOA, check to see if they will give me credit. If they won't give you credit and you're signed up for, let's say, a factoring deal like mine, what you can do is say, look, I I can give you a letter that my factoring company will guarantee payment and I can do a better rate than your property already getting. Like I can do a rate of 2%. And you're probably getting a higher rate from your factoring company. And I know that for people that are watching that are like, I'm not in trucking. I have no idea. I appreciate you guys being here, but I just wanted to make sure that the trucking people and these people kind of knew this. At that point, that trucking company is going to use you for being for quick pay. They're going to use you for quick pay. So you can tell them not to use their factoring company, but you cannot do that if they send you an NOA. So if that NOA, that notice of assignment, which basically states that, hey, this trucking company is represented by this factoring company, then if you see that, that comes across in their packet, you have to honor it. But if they don't send it to you, you can then quick pay them through yourself. And at that point, nine times out of 10, the carrier is going to say, okay, you're going to give me a letter guaranteeing I'll be paid. Uh, And with my factoring company, they will give you a letter to give to the carrier. You're going to say yes. And I'll even give you a phone number you can call if you want to. Um, And we'll quick pay you for, you know, with free ACH at 2%. So don't let people tell if you have that factoring company, you don't have, you know, that's the one way to basically start establishing credit is you quick pay them. You pay them at a 2% rate and quick pay them. And that is something that it's basically um, I want, you know, people to know that now you have a different way that you actually build credit through your company. Yeah. For your broker. Yeah. You kind of yeah, want I mean, it it's Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, essentially to build credit, you know, cause we actually had that situation you and I did initially mm-hmm. where you actually paid too fast. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, they paid, wouldn't you, you paid so fast that nobody tracked it. Um, and so essentially the way the, the market set up for us and, and as far as credit's concerned is credit is only worried about showing a due date and a period of time. And then that, you know, to report it, they honestly, they have to have time where there has to be, you know, you can't have two days and then the guys paid because at that point uh, you're paying so fast that nothing can catch it. I mean, no system can track it that quick. There's not right. even personnel to do it. So what we realized was, okay, if if the the problem here is time, then and we're and our biggest concern as a broker initially is getting a carrier to work with us to circumvent this. We'll have our own carrier pull the loads that we broker initially, and we'll target our brokering of freight to fit our direct carrier. 
So we will broker the load to ourselves and then take a delay in paying ourselves so that the credit reporting agencies will actually pick up on it. And so we basically, I mean, we still made the money. It was right. just in limbo. So it's either going to go in the bank account on the left or the bank account on the right. But either way, we own both of them. So it really doesn't matter which one it hits. And we don't care if it delays right? because we're the ones paying ourselves. I mean, we don't mind taking a risk on us because we're the ones doing it. Right. So, then your, your company drivers go out and grab the load. Then you just build through your, 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 the, you know, you build through myself. The and it's good to go. Yeah. And then it builds credit that way. And, and, you know, of course it's going to take time. Um, but you know, it's, it's a way it's not, you know, it's not the only way, but it's, it's just a way. And I think if you can, if you can make it work for yourself, if you have both of them, I honestly believe that almost every carrier at some point is going to need to go ahead and start looking at being a broker at some point, but yeah. But the, yeah. And like I said, and the other thing that, like I said, for, and, and like I said, I wanted to talk about this cause I have got, I get a lot of questions about this is that like truck stop internet truck stop. Um, I submit the letter to them and I, cause they'll send me something saying, Hey, how fast do you pay? And I'm like, look, here's my letter. We guarantee payment. And they give me an A rating. Now, again, I've been a broker for a long time and I, I tried a lot of the, a lot of the loads that I do are very expensive loads. Like I'm doing loads that could be, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 load. So I try to pay as fast as I can because I mean, at some point, I don't want to run out of credit. Like I've got, I think like with some, with truck stop or somebody, I've got like $200,000 worth of credit. I mean, you know, because I've been doing this a long time, but I try to pay quickly to make sure that if I've got another load pop up, my credit's free and I don't reach my max where they're like, well, we're now, we can't do this load. So the carriers that I use, I try to, that was, you know, one of the things that I did. Now, did it hurt me? It did, but it also benefited me because I never reached my, I never reached my ceiling that way. Right. And it, it, so I, it's just something I had to do. Um, but so when we first met his factory company, wouldn't give me any credit. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, find out why. Um, and it was, the answer was they pay too quick. And I've never heard of that in my life. So I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, bro. I, I, it is what it is. <laughs> I know. I mean, what did, what did we say? You know, what was the very, what was actually the response as a result of that? That's stupid was basically let's switch. And well, then, I, yeah. You know, and then what happened? We went over, we came over to the right, dark side came over to, to triumph, but, it, and, yeah. and, because I've never heard of that, right? And because you were even shocked. What do you mean they pay too quick? Isn't that good? But no. Right. So, <laughs> right. But just so you know, so if you are a new broker, if you are trying to do that, and it, there are ways to do that, um, you can basically say, look, uh, carrier, check with your factoring company, see if they'll give me credit. If they won't, do not send me an NOA. Do not send me a notice of assignment. Um, I will quick pay you. I will guarantee your money. I'll, you know, and I'll give you a letter stating that. But if you are a freight broker and you are sent an NOA, the only way to get out of that NOA is to get a release from that factoring company. They can't pick and choose. Once you get that NOA, every payment has to go to whoever holds the, that notice of assignment. Um, and that was the other thing too I wanted to answer. So. Just a little, uh, like I said, this was the logistics show. And like I said, there's a lot of if people watch this. I wanted to make sure. So um, FA has turned off cameras facing east. 9% of them are turned off. Um, gotcha. I'll look into that later, but this one's listening. So, 
you had some issues too this week. Um, do you want to talk? Would you like to discuss any of these issues that you've that you're having? Let's just say, man. Let's just say that you you get a guy that's in a truck, right? And then the guy gets frustrated. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer that no matter what your problem is, it's always fixed if you know how to conversate and have how to communicate with folks. I mean, it's not that hard, but if you don't communicate with people, nobody has an idea that you're having a problem, right? So we had a guy that uh, he had an issue with a load. Um, it, it was going to be a further deadhead than he originally intended. Um, and as a result, made the decision to go ahead and bail out on a load after being committed. And which inevitably put another load at jeopardy. And so it's like, you know, when you, when you put a load in jeopardy like this, you know, it's when you put clients in jeopardy, when their loads are in jeopardy, because we're not fulfilling our need as a service provider, you know, that's that's where we have we have to draw the line. And so we had some issues uh, that we had to get resolved. Um, and then, um, you know, the typical stuff. I mean, a big thing right now is breakdowns. Holy crap. I mean, I've had I had an owner operator that was down for like nine and a half weeks. Is that um, just waiting on parts? Dude, not only the parts, but see, like, for example, depending on what motor is in a truck, like a mm -hmm. pack car, for example, if you want to remove a camshaft on a pack car, you're pulling it out of the back, which means you're pulling the whole motor out to get to it. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, your Cummins, you can pull them right out of the front. No big deal. Uh, but, you know, so that was a problem. And then, um, you know, parts, the guy said he had 15, like, full engine jobs that were just sitting in their lot they couldn't even get to. And they've got parts that are in excess of 12 weeks back order, um, just waiting on them to come in. And, you know, insurance doesn't cover your standard repair. Warranty's not covering your rental truck. Uh, you know, none of these things are actually getting paid to you. And so you're essentially sitting for 12 plus weeks waiting on parts and that's not labor. That's not time. That's none of those things. So that's been a, that's been a, a burden to bear. Um, I mean, I just, we've got two of our own trucks in the shops right now and it's like, man, it's, I mean, one truck's been there almost an entire week. They've never even bothered to pull it in. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah, you got, there's a lot of stuff that goes on every week and it's, um, it's yeah, it's trucking, man. It's, uh, Golly, I don't feel like my phone. I think this is the quietest time my phone has ever been where it's just it's you you can tell that all of the hell has calmed down and gone to sleep for now. Right. But it's well, uh, I also hacked your phone just so it wouldn't ring. Yeah, uh, hopefully. And, and, and I think that's another thing, too, because like I, I talk with this a lot, which uh, he's not or at least I haven't seen him. I don't know if he's listening. I talk a lot with uh, Snorlord and with him. And it was like he there was a lot of. <sighs> People are having a lot of issues in regards to uh, not knowing their numbers, uh, not realizing kind of the what's going on with the numbers and stuff. And that's kind of a, I don't know. Um, that seems to be crushing a lot of guys, basically. You know, it's so consistent too. It's it's across the board, and, it, and you know, it's the only industry I've ever been in in my entire life. You know, and that I've ever even seen folks who own a business who have no idea what the bottom line is. They have no yeah. idea what the profit margins are or how to determine the profit margins. 
Yeah, you know? I, I I think I'm gonna have to get probably get Snorlord on to basically and you and Snorlord and run some numbers and um you know between you know, you know do that type of things so where you guys can go back and forth because that seems to be that's a bit especially now right especially when you're dealing with high fuel lower rates you know when that you're trying to struggle to get to get better rates and guys we just walked into a nine point one um up on the CPI right. So basically, inflation, and, and just so everybody knows that the uh, anything that comes out with the CPI, which is normally uh, nobody special is finance, but he's taught me some. So right now, inflation has gone up an extra nine point one percent. So it hasn't gone up nine one point. Like it's it keeps going up faster and faster and faster. So the speed in which inflation is rising is it has gone up. Like last month i think it was 8.6 and now it's 9.1 that's going to start to go into a recession so the next time we pull those numbers we're going to probably be in a recession and when people start to hear the word recession you're going to see a lot of freight pullback because you're going to see a lot less people they're going to start saving money they're going to be like oh no you know you could get layoffs people stop spending money um and when that starts to happen, freight rates are going to drop again. And if you don't know your numbers by then, you are going to learn your numbers quite quickly. Well, uh, if the Fed if the Fed lowers any points and tries to bail us out of this deal, it'll turn to hyperinflation real quick. Well, they're looking at possibly going up to a one full point on the next one. Going up yeah. one full point will will send markets into the chaos, and it will basically cause a lot of credit cards going to go up interest rates are going to go up on, on adjustable mortgages and that's all going to cause a ripple effect into logistics, into trucking, into the movement of goods and into the decision-making of people that might be saying, well, we might not do that. We might not purchase those goods. We're going to wait and see how this goes. And that lowers freight rates. It lowers volumes on vans. Well, and that's uh, the whole point of inflation is to slow down purchasing. It's to slow down right. the buying aspect of things. But we don't stop that, right? People still need their Whizzler Gizzlers 5,000s, and they need them sent on a truck, and we want them here tomorrow post-haste. I so, have not received my Whizzler Gizzler. Well, uh, you clearly don't order, or you don't have the Prime membership. If you had a Prime membership, they probably would have done it and sent you a card, too. I know. I, sh- I need to get that. I need to get that. <laughs> and just so everybody knows, uh, he, when, we, we, when we first started this show, he, we had to get the lighting properly to make sure we got the proper uh, uh, coloring of uh, his his proper tan lines uh, for catch. He wanted to make sure he had his tan lines going, just so you know. I might, uh, I might make sure yeah. I get the right sound. Cash is making sure he gets the right tan lines. Well, I mean, you got a mic in your mouth, and I'm oh. worried about my I'm worried about my lighting. That's what I'm exactly. most concerned with. Exactly. That's yeah. right. His lighting. At least we're covering both angles. You know what exactly. I mean? I can make you look tan, and you can make me sound better. So that was some of the other stuff. So, um. The other thing, I, I I got two more. I got two more interesting comments. So the other thing I wanted to k- talk about, and then we can either take calls or we can just kind of, you know, bounce stuff off each other. I got a call from somebody that basically said, hey, have you ever had a load, as a broker, had a load stolen? And I'm like, uh, I have not. And then I called them. So I said, okay, explain to me what what's going on. So what happened was, and this happened, like this stuff happens, you know, and, and sometimes in, in brokering, you know, you, 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 Decisions are made that you think to yourself, damn, I shouldn't have made that one um, over the years of doing brokering. So what happened was, and I want to kind of explain this. So 
the he was a broker and he had additional uh, four of the loads. So this was like the fifth load. His regular people, because he doesn't want to put this on the load board, he had to put this one on the load board. So he selected a carrier from the load board, which this is why we don't want to do this, unfortunately. And he go went ahead and put the load on that carrier. Now, a lot of these loads that, that we deliver in open deck situations are going to projects, they're going to job sites, they're going to crane appointments, they're going to something that if it doesn't get there on time, you could be fined a performance clause. So basically, it's a performance clause that says, hey, this has to be there by a certain day. If you don't get it there by a certain day, it's $10,000 a day. I have a performance clause for one of my jobs that was $100,000 a day if I did not make delivery. I am talking $100,000 a day if the truck broke down. We... We sent two trucks, so we sent one truck pulling it, and then I had a bobtail following it in case the load broke down. I had two trucks on that one because I was not paying $100,000 a day to get it there. So this was a job that had this, uh, had a clause in it. Now, it probably wasn't that much money, but the load got picked up. The driver took the load. He did, wasn't going to make it by the day he was supposed to make it, and the broker said, if you don't make it by that day, you won't be paid. Now, let me explain something to truck drivers. And this is, you know, if you are driving a truck, if you're in trucking, I'm going to explain this to you. A Carmack is, is an amendment. It's a Carmack amendment. In the Carmack amendment, the freight broker never takes possession of the freight. The shipper takes possession of the freight. The carrier takes possession of the freight. And then the receiver takes possession of the freight. According to Carmack, and this is something that, you know, me and Cash have talked <laughs> about before because he ran into a situation. According to Carmack, you have the legal right to hold the load to be paid for that load. Now, you can't hold the load if they owed you money before, but you can hold the load to be paid for the load that you're on. You don't have to give credit. You don't have to. You can immediately say, look, oh, you're not going to pay me? You will pay me before I deliver this. And you have the legal right that if they don't pay you, you can drive that into the yard, you can hold the load, and in some states, again, this is not, you know, depending on what state you're in and so on and so on, you can put almost like a mechanics lien. You can then take possession of that freight and sell it for the storage and cost of transportation. I think that's exactly how it's worded. That is legal. And so this is when I, when I explain this to brokers. The Carmack Amendment does not pertain to you, but you better know it because it pertains to the people that employ you and the people that you are hiring to haul the freight. So I explained this to him. So what had happened was the minute he said that you won't be paid, that carrier rolled it to his yard. And stuck it in his yard. And basically, from the now the carrier actually missed the appointment and went out of business. The carrier shut his doors and basically was going bankrupt. While under a load, this carrier took it to the yard. And now this, this shipper is screaming for the freight. The receiver was screaming for the freight. Now they've already shipped another load. But now this broker could be sued. 
by the shipper who who hired him for this load not getting delivered because the receiver's going to sue the shipper so the shipper the shipper can sue the broker and this is something that and he said so you know this is not a stolen load this is the legal right of the carrier to hold the load to be paid now if he would have paid in full and he didn't deliver we got a problem but you had a situation like this with another we won't mention the company that you actually went through this do you want to tell your story <laughs> yeah um we essentially had a situation where a um a, a broker decided that they were going to go ahead and the product couldn't get unloaded due to weather reasons okay due to certain unforeseen circumstances so there was no technical time frame of release right there was no time frame for delivery to, to incur because they didn't know they had no clue right. so the contract um, was the, right, the agreement the agreement was a specific day and a specific set of time right and so we went into negotiations in regards to every additional day afterward at to what rate that would be paid at now i offered them fifteen hundred dollars a day or five hundred dollars a day i believe was my holdover right. fee i was going to charge them something like that to which they responded that that's impossible haha ha, never going to happen um <laughs> you know good one jack you know that kind of thing and uh so i basically sent them a letter um and matter of fact um uh, if i even have that letter um uh, it basically it's a pretty decent little letter it just tells them uh that hey at this point uh, i'm basically going to enact my rights as a common carrier and I'm going to change my domain. And now I'm becoming a warehouseman, which mm -hmm. means I'm going to, in X amount of time, store your shit. And it's going to be at this rate. And it's going to cost you this to store it. And where I'm storing it, it's going to be in South Texas. It's going to be this far away, this many miles. Um, I'm going to store it at this rate per day, um, along with security fees and anything else I got to pay to, to put on this specialty thing you've got. Right. Um to which once, and then you basically say, you know, how would you like to handle the disposition of this freight? Which is a real professional way with figure it out or I'm gone. Um, <laughs> and so uh, within a short period of time, it was, okay, we'll pay you. And here's the rate we're going to do this at here. And I basically, I wanted an anticipated end date. I said, look, you know, you can't just leave the, the window of opportunity open for infinity. Okay. We have to be reasonable. Right. When are your guys going to have their heads out of their back ends and get this thing unloaded? What do you see the time frame being? Two days, one day, five days, ten days? Give me a date. Um, so we we initially went into agreements for three days at five hundred dollars uh, a day, and so I said, okay, you know that's fine. We agreed to it. They agreed to it after I threatened them to take their stuff um, and store it, and then to which after we delivered which the broker does have the right to do, uh, which is still kind of, you know, it's it's a right. shitty situation regardless when you get into this. And you just got to know that you're probably not going to, you're not going to foster a healthy relationship going forward with those people after you've done this to them. But, um, you know, I, it, they basically said, you know, you guys were being unprofessional and this is so wrong and you guys put us in a bind and blah, 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 blah. Um, 
all we did was play the game the way it's allowed to be played. And I think the broker was upset that we knew the game well enough. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Had we not had you as coach in the background, well, no, I, you know, jog left, you know, <laughs> we would have been like, all right, and ran right to a brick wall, you know? And so, um, but knowing those things now, um, I would say that that's probably happened an additional, probably seven or eight times. Um, so it's not uncommon, but now we handle it with much more professionalism and grace because, uh, you know, the old Buzz Lightyear falling with style, uh, that is what we're going to do. So if it's going to go to hell in a handbasket, at least we'll go down professionally and looking cool. And, um, right. but yeah. And, and sometimes it's just, you, you have to know, right. As a carrier, you guys, I, I have to know what I'm allowed to do when I'm allowed to say what I'm not. Right. I can't tell you guys, Oh, don't worry about this. Just go ahead and drive past those hours of service. You don't need those things. They're no, if you, if I, if you can't, right. So you should know what your rights are. And, and sometimes it's even just saying, look, uh, cause I've had to go to my customer and say, look, we can't do this. We, we've got to pay them because they have the right to hold them. So as a freight broker, you're going to want to know that. So you can go to your customer and say, look, this is what their legal rights are. They can do this to us. How do you want to proceed? This isn't their fault. <laughs> they were there on time. You know, your crane broke down or whatever it is. We have to have this this type of situation. And and this is a lot of times is where, you know, unfortunately, there's not a lot of good brokers out there. Right. Um, but it, if you do pull that, expect that you're going to, you know, you're going to upset the broker. You're going to piss them off because they don't want this stuff to happen. But it ha if not, they might just say, hey, you're free storage, bro. I don't know what to tell you. And that's not the case. It's not the case. Yeah. I mean, well, and I think we came up with the um, the analogy that if you hired a crane. Mm -hmm. to come out and lift your stuff and you set an appointment with the crane for two two o'clock with an anticipated working time of five hours the mm -hmm. crane gave you a quote based on the five hours and based on them arriving at or before two o'clock so anything past the fifth hour becomes a charge that it's not like you know well we don't we're not ready to use you yet we hired you but we're not ready for you just yet so Go ahead and sit there. And um, if you sit there, we're going to pay you this rate. You know, I mean, it's not you don't have that option. Right. So at that point, you, you're not going to dictate to the crane what they're going to do. I mean, you're dictating to a business how they're going to operate their business. There's, that's never going to happen. Right. Not and yet. so it is funny because now in hindsight, as a broker, looking at the lack of power <laughs> a broker truly has. Right. Most of it is due to the fact, I think the only real leverage a broker has at this point in time is either A, the contracts that they, they personally hold, correct, or B, um, they're basing their entire game plan on the ignorance of the carriers that they operate with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I'm not, like I said, now, I mean, I've had guys haul my freight that I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm different, right? But I, like I said, they're, they absolutely will throw that around because a lot of carriers don't understand, because a lot of carriers don't do that. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of brokers out there um, that, you know, the drive. But then again, it's like, guys, it's your job to kind of learn this and understand this or, or, or know some of this stuff, right? Because it is your business you're in. You are doing this. It's, it's a huge, you know, this industry is monstrous. But this is some of the stuff that just so that same situation with that stolen load, that load was not stolen. It was being held until payment. And it, you know, you can end up calling the cops and the cops can be like, man, we can't, we can't do anything. I don't know what I, we can't. Now, if it was not your load, like if, if somebody else loaded it and somebody broke into a gate, cut the lock, 
hooked to the trailer and drove away, oh, that's theft. That's not theirs. But if the carrier that has it is the one that signed for it at the shipper, that's a different situation. And that's something that you guys, they, you definitely want to relay that to your shipper. And well, make- all the law, all law enforcement is going to do is approach the carrier and say, do you have any documentation that allows you to have possession of this freight? And he's going to hold up the bill of lading in one hand and the rate contract in the other hand and go, Thank you. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go away. Uh, right. I'm dealing, it's a civil matter at this point. We'll deal with it accordingly. Correct. And, now, and the other the other power we didn't mention here with the uh, with the broker side, which is uh, a dark anomaly that probably gets more used than most carriers probably even understand, is the waiving of your rights to CarMax. So, yeah, only contractually um, can you waive your rights, and a broker can get you to waive your rights, but they must get you to sign a contract stating so. Right, and uh, unfortunately. It's become commonplace now, as it is with brokers, with brokers having to sign a non-compete when they go to brokerages, that now you've got carriers that are signing or waiving their rights to CarMac, and they didn't even know they did that. Right. Uh, They don't read. read. They didn't even waive the rights. They didn't even know what the rights were. Right. Exactly. I mean, there are times, too, it's like me. It's like I'll send a packet over. It's like, Phil, but I'm... For me, it's easy. It's like, hey, how much do you need to? If we do it this way, how much will you charge me? This much. Okay. If we do it this way, how much would you charge me? Okay. I'll call you right back. <laughs> and then I go to my customer and I say, here's your options. Which way do you want to do this? Right. Um, and they're like, okay, off you go. And and then you know, I think there's actually times. Shoot, I think on on, on either the last load that you did before that, I actually sent the rate con. Um, because I don't care. I, 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 to me, I didn't care. I think I actually sent what I actually was charging on the load and what I was paying you because I didn't care. I think I was making like three hundred bucks on one of the loads. Uh, the load yeah, just. I mean, it's, but it's not a you know. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's it's like big... I earned my money. I look at it as I you got what you wanted, so I earned my money. You know what I mean? I earned you gave me the price, and then the money that I get on top of that, if some tough, like I said, I've done that. Um, toe piglet, I think I made. Three or four hundred bucks. I think when the last load you did, I made like three hundred. Not the last one, the one before that. That was um, another one. But like I said, for me, it's like the carriers that I work with. It's like mm-hmm. I'm. I'm not worried. Nobody's gonna. I mean, he's not gonna look at them like you know he didn't earn the money. I got exactly what I wanted plus some. <laughs> you well, know, I mean, you know, it's an agreement, right? So I'm setting a rate, right, of what I need, and right. I, and again, that goes back to a carrier actually understanding what numbers they have to hit. But right. then, you know, understanding that and then understanding what the role is of that broker. I mean, because honestly, in that situation, you know, we won't mention your your customer or anything like that. But let's say, mm-hmm. you know, that particular customer, they don't even work with outside entities. They're not going to work with me directly as a carrier, not even sure. if I wanted to approach them. So it's not something that you're not going to get backdoored. And you understand that the guy has a contract. He's got a set agreement with these folks. Um, and so then it's like, look, man, we're sharing the pie. You know, right. ultimately the shipper's paying for the pie and, you know, you want your four slices and I want mine. So, you know, we'll thank mom and dad later and we'll eat our pie. That's it. Yeah. And this kind of goes into the one of the last things I wanted to bring up real quick, too, because I had a conversation with um, on Freight Waves. It was in the chat with uh, a YouTuber called Just Trucking. Right. Mm-hmm. So me and him were going back and forth and uh, Just Trucking doesn't like me. And that's fine. It's no big deal to me. But he also doesn't like brokers. He thinks that, you know, they're all lying, stealing thieves, stuff like that. And a lot are. I'm not going to lie. A lot are. But not all of them. But 
a way around that is for you to get your own customers, start to get direct freight. Even if it's one load a month or two load a month, go into somebody and be like, hey, um, you know, I know I'm not going to be your first option because I only have one truck. And I know I might not be your, your second option. But if, you're, if your second option's gone, I live right around the block and I'm home, make me your third option. I could be here in 30 minutes, right? I mean, some, a customer, if you go to approach a customer like that and hand them a card and just say, dude, make me the last resort if you have to, but at least give me a call, you might get a call. You probably are going to get a call because trucks fall off all the time. And now all of a sudden you've worked your way in, right? But it's very difficult as a one truck. And this is his biggest thing as a one truck getting in there. Either way, we went back and forth in a little bit in regards to this, in regards to the the need for brokerages as salesmen. And it, I, I basically explained to him that, look, this isn't something you, you... Sales is an important aspect of business. And I said, you could hire a salesman because he didn't have time for this. I said, well, dude, you make good money. Hire a salesman. And, and you know, let the salesman get... And his answer to that was... I would never hire a salesman. They're all leeches, basically, was the gist of it. That, you know, they're, they're not even needed and they're all leeches. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you just attacked a whole industry. And I haven't met, I, and I even said to him, I know, because sales is such a small portion of businesses. I don't know why it exists either. I mean, I'm like, dude, McDonald's has sales departments. And everybody knows who McDonald's is. You would, they would, if anybody wouldn't need one, they would need one, and yet they have one, right? And I think that a lot of carriers underestimate that sales portion of the company, like how important that. And even he is a salesman because he sells, you know, sponsorships, and and he sells his YouTube page, and he sells his truck to brokers. But it's like it's one of those things that I think a lot of truly don't understand what brokers do and let me do this too real quick hang on let me do display let me turn off my dash cam here let me turn off the overhead cam let me turn on my display and let me move this up here because we're looking at the matrix <laughs> and, and one of his big things was you know brokers don't do anything they don't do that they don't do crap at all um so let me do Uh, Voltron, I didn't know Sage was gay. I'm actually not. Um, if you saw my wife, you'd realize that. All right, so let me do this real quick. Um, it, this right here is a, a basically a just for this hot tub, just for the this hot tub to be put together. What actually has to happen just for this is let's see. All right, uh, we would expect these trucks and trains to delay. Okay. At the time Bullfrog Spa assembly plant in Utah, up to 1,850 hot tub parts from Texas, Kentucky, Nevada, Georgia, and 10 other states, also organizing in four other countries, China, Mexico, components enter the United States um, from the West Coast, uh, and it goes into the lockdowns. But it basically says that by the time this is all done, the amount that this travels, they figured, is 887,776 miles parts travel to put this hot tub together. And what customers basically want 
is they want someone to handle all of this. They want someone to come in and say, I need all these parts in my manufacturing plant in Utah. Make it happen. I don't, you know, and this is where customers don't want to deal, unfortunately, just with truck drivers direct. Because a truck driver is going to say, well, I can't, I can't do all that. But I can, I can pick up the load that's in Texas and bring it to Utah. Well, what do you, and they're going to say, well, my other guy can handle everything. Right? My other guy can do it all. My other guy can schedule all the trucks. My other guy has negotiated good deals to get me better rates than the than just the, the spot market rate. Why? So if you can't do that, what are you offering me? You're offering me more work, right? I now have to, this customer would now have to work harder to make, to make your dreams come true of getting a couple hundred, a couple extra hundred bucks on the load. Because now the customer's got to hire somebody to do the accounting, schedule all the trucking, handle all the logistics. Now, you know, and this is where having that brokerage where you can go to that customer at a small aspect, I understand this is a big aspect, but at a small aspect, go to them and say, hey, um, I got four of the trucks with me. Like, so if, if a customer comes and says, well, I need these four loads moved. If you don't have that brokerage, you can only move that one load because you only have one truck. Well, at the end of it, what this is, right? Imagine the infrastructure that plant must have to not only order such amount of parts, but to receive all said parts, to distribute right. all said parts, to put all parts together, to have somebody inventory all parts, to check all parts for quality control. And then you start the process of actually putting the parts together, right? And so from a standpoint of trucking, if you don't have a sales force who's out there pounding the pavement to gain contracts that facilitate, you know, and ideally, you know, a large carrier would probably want at least the entire contract. If not half of that contract, they would want to absorb it entirely. Right. And so they're going to be nine times out of 10. We're talking about nationwide carriers. We're talking about established reputable carriers with years of ground, thousands of trucks, hundreds at the minimum. And then you're talking about an entire sales team that is constantly banging on this guy's door to try to get in and get a piece of the action. And so I think it's funny because, you know, you've mentioned before in the past that, you know, sales is simply problem solving, right? (laughs) You're you're offering a solution to a problem, right? And to an extent that is correct. And also the other extent is that as a good CEO of any company, which I imagine the CEO of this company for these hot tubs is no different. The CEO is constantly looking at reduction in cost, ways to make savings, ways to reduce manufacturing overhead and ways to increase the bottom line because they, if they're public, they have shareholders and stakeholders in their company that are looking to them to increase those, you know, either pr- productivity sales more sales to the customers, right? You, how, Why is that hot tub any better than the next hot tub? Why should I buy your hot tub that took 887,000 bajillion miles to make? Why should I go over there and buy your hot tub? Tell right. me the difference between that. You know, does this have the ball tickler 3000? Does this have, you know, the, the shoulder right. massager I'm looking for? And again, the person that's going to get that customer, that end user to choose the ball tickler 3000 is going to be a sales guy. Yeah, because somebody asked, what happened to the old 
tin tub. You know, right. what? why is this better than the tin tub, right? Right. And again, I mean, it's, and so if you look at it from a, from a carrier standpoint, right, a carrier has to have some form of sales if you want to be competitive. Now, if you just want to, you know, be what I call a, um, what is it? I, I refer to it as a technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. If you want to be that person, then by all means, do what you'd like to do. Take whatever freight you choose to take whenever you choose Absolutely. to take it and answer to nobody. But if you're actually running a legitimate business with the development and growth in mind to actually sustain you and get you as the owner out of the damn truck so you can work on a business and not in it, you need to have a sales staff that can constantly feed the trucks you add on long term. So to have no sales team is to essentially have no business and to have no business is to essentially be wasting your time. And I mean, granted, you're cutting yourself a check today, but the day you stub your toe or fall over your, you know, your hair backward and break your neck is the day the business goes under. And without a sales force to keep the engines fed and trucks coming on, it's it, it's a short show, man. It's a business, you know, in business and out of business inside of one right. year. Congrats. And that's what, and, and like I said, so me and him went back and forth and, and I, and I understand his point. Like at one point when I started driving, I thought the same thing. And then once you actually see all of the stuff that custom, well, you know, guess what guys? Cause some customers are just as messed up as brokers. Um, <laughs> and, and once you see everything that's going on behind the scenes, it's, it's a lot more than a lot of people think. It's just not a, a simple phone call, a simple post of the load and, and you're off and running. It's, it's, you know, okay, we're picking up here. Okay. Where, you know, and, and it's like, sometimes it's like pulling teeth or we're picking, I need this, 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 and this, and this, and this picked up and I need it all here by Tuesday. Okay. Um, and now I'm in, you know, six different locations picking up items and I got to get them all at the delivery site at the same day. And that's a lot of the stuff that, that the brokerages and the logistic departments are handling. And that's what you're going to be expected to handle eventually when you get your brokerage up and running um, with Carrie. That's why it's like, start small, start with that customer, that small place that you can walk into and say, look, I'm a one truck guy. I understand I'm not going to be your first choice. I'm not going to be this. I'm not this. And I might, you know, not be, I, I may or may not be around, but all I'm asking for is, is an opportunity to be your third choice. And given that opportunity, if I'm around, I'll get it done. And that's, that's usually where you have to start now. Well, and yeah. And I mean, you're not going, honestly, I mean, I wear, I catch myself, you know, wearing my, my company shirts, even when I'm off work, right. Even when I'm not doing work and I find myself carrying business cards in my wallet, even though I have no intention of handing any business cards out because inevitably and it's which which is also why I drive my truck that has my company name on it, because inevitably somebody is going to approach you either to work for you, work with you or try to learn something from you. And you have to be approachable enough to go. You know, I mean, I've gotten two of our clients um, just by simply making random phone calls, getting on Google one afternoon and saying, OK, what? manufacturers do I have in my area? What shipping entities do I have in my area? And then trying to get through the gatekeepers and the door blockers and all that stuff. And, you know, maybe you come in there with a box of kolaches and, Hey, you know, I just want to say hello, introduce myself, leave a business card. You guys have a great day. And, you know, you know, you spend 20 bucks or whatever, but you know, and it may not go anywhere, but that's the cost of doing business. And the attitude is I'm trying to develop a relationship long-term. I want a relationship. And so, 
Um, you know, to to say that there's no necessary need for that and that they're all scum. I mean, to be honest, if you have a sales guy, and this is this is the question I would ask to that same individual, right? Mm-hmm. If you've got a sales guy that brings you in thirty million dollars of freight every single month, okay, which is about what some of these major carriers are doing. So if you have sales guys that are bringing you in $30 million a month and you get to live on just 3% of the $30 million a month that comes in free and clear without you doing much, are you telling me that that would not be beneficial for you as a person and as the owner to live on 3% of 30 million a month and that you would not be creditable or crediting some of this to a sales force and a team that's making calls while you're out playing golf and sitting out there, you know, drinking Mai Tais. You've got to have those guys. You know, and that look, you've got C level executive people, right? Your C level people are your CEO, your CFO. Um, those are your, you know, the chief executive officers, chief financial officers. Those are your top people, right? 99% of the time, the next highest paid employee is your salespeople because they're, they're out there bringing the money in. Like everybody else costs you money. Sales pipe people bring you money. So if you can pay somebody, hey, I'll pay you some money if you can bring me. If you can bring me in more money than I'm paying you, I'll take it. Right? Well, and how are how are most sales guys commission how how are most sales guys set up for pay? They're based on commission. And a commission. Right. So if you don't perform and bring me in money, you don't get paid. So what cost of it is it to you? To, to sit back and have a salesperson in there that's working for a commission to benefit themselves and you, right. you know? And so it's, you know, you need the infrastructure first before you get sales, but you also have to have the sales because if somebody's not being a phone terrorist and calling everybody they can find. Uh-huh. In, in, in a sales aspect, YouTube, in a sales aspect, you're killing me with that word. Go ahead. Oh, is that? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. No, I didn't. I didn't realize how political you guys get around yeah, here. Your get channels around. get banned. I'm Mine don't. I'm joking around. <laughs> no, but it's a point, right? And and I think this is something that. So, in regards to trucking, um, I did drop. Also, just so you know, I did drop the link if somebody wanted to snag in. Um, you guys can click in if you have any questions or anything like that. But in regards to trucking, knowing your numbers. And selling yourself to either a broker or a direct customer is good, is is how you get further in this industry. That's that's knowing your numbers, so you can go to a customer and say, "This is what I cost." Because, and this is the other aspect too, I've had somebody do, and this is don't do this. I have people that go in and say they have a tr- they have a carrier, and they now they have a brokerage. And they will go into a customer and they, they, but let's say they were hauling that load and let's say they were hauling that load for a thousand dollars, right? So they think that, well, the broker must be getting 1200. So I'm going to go into the carry. I'm going to go into that customer and I'm going to ask for 1200 so I can get all that money. And that customer is going to look at you and say, okay, how much can you do that? Oh, you have your own truck? Yes, I do. Perfect. And you're a broker? Yes. Perfect. How much for you to do this load? If you tell them twelve hundred, they're going to be like, "No, thank you," because then they're going to look at you and say, "Well, if you're already asking me for twelve hundred to haul it yourself, what are you going to ask for when you need someone else to haul it? You're going to be fourteen. So if I'm already getting this guy to do it for twelve, and and he covers all of them for twelve for no trucks, then I'm not going to give you twelve 
because when you need to outsource it, it's going to cost me more money, right? So you, when you are a carrier and you are going into customers, don't base it on what you think the broker is doing it for. If you have to go to the customer and say, well, look, if I haul it, it's going to be a thousand. But if if you got two loads, um, it all you know, one's going to be a thousand, and this one's going to be twelve hundred because that's service, that's business. You can't look at home runs every single time. And I have a lot of new brokers that have their own trucks that go into these customers and will go in thinking that they do it for the same price that the broker does it for. And the first question that the the shipper asks is, "Well, are you going to haul it?" Well, yes. Well, no, thank you then. Because the minute you can't haul it, it's going to cost me too much, right? Well, a lot of it, a lot of it too, is the, um, is the, you know, and it goes back to the numbers. But a lot of it is, you know, I'm going to swing at your loads when you send them, and if I'm off, I'm not asking you to tell me what the competition's done. Mm -hmm. What I'd like you to do is tell me what ballpark I'm in. If I'm in outer space, please let me know. If I'm in you know, if I am, you know, scratching the ground, I'm so low on my rate. Well, you're probably never going to tell me, right? But you probably will cry bloody murder if I come hit you with something that's outside, you know, the ballpark realm of 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 reasonable thinking, right? And so, I think initially with your brokerage, especially if you're a carrier, your brokerage should start out as a side hustle. It should be, you know, peanuts right. here, peanuts there, peanuts here, peanuts there. Um, and then don't live on it. That's the other thing. Like, it's amazing how many people want to live on. But if you want to live on being a broker and you know nothing about the transportation industry and you're getting ready to start, good luck. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. unless your light bill went to 60 cents a year, <laughs> you know, I mean, good luck because it's not something that's going to pay your bills like trucking does, but it is something that once you start developing, the infrastructure for your transportation business, i.e., you know, a staff to handle incoming drivers and a staff to handle the safety aspects. And you've mm -hmm. developed an actual legitimate business that consists of you plus more truck than just you. Then start going into the carrier, the brokerage side of things, looking at it as a side hustle that will eventually feed the beast. Right. And, 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 you know, it can't, these have to be foresight of, you know, five years, you know, two and a half years to five years out from where you are today, where are you going to be? And that's where I think, you know, I looked at it. I think I, I did the numbers on what I thought were average. I thought, you know, maybe most smokers are probably looking for about a 20% margin. And said so I said, okay, I know what I can do it for, you know, as a carrier. And I know what a broker is probably looking for a 20% margin. I'm going to go ahead and just, I'm going to take my numbers at 10%. And or 15%. And so I'm going to hit it at 15 on a margin and see what happens. And if I win, great. And if I don't, great. But 15% of a $1,000 load, buddy, I mean, you know, $150 for a day. And maybe you spent five days trying to get that one guy. Do the math. Your hours don't add up to a whole hell of a lot. So don't quit your day job. Right. Um, you know, but I mean, yeah, you can't, uh, don't go in there trying to hit, you know, you cannot hit rate quotes that you do on oversized loads to a guy who's trying to move a piece of steel down the street to a guy who's going to polish that steel. Right. And, and, and again, and the same thing too, is I've been doing this um, almost 15, 
probably 15 years I've been doing this. Be- and then I think 13 years or four, 13 years completely on my own numbers. It, it, I, I remember moving loads for 20 bucks, 25 bucks for Landstar, 30 bucks. I mean, I remember working from four o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night because I, I, I started at four o'clock in the morning and then there was a guy at Schneider that started and worked like two to 10 and covered the, that, the, you know, the stuff out of Chicago that went, that went late. And I remember hooking up with him and he would say, and I just say, dude, give me 15 minutes before you give it to anybody else. Just give me 15 minutes to post it. Give me a 15 minute head start. And when I was a Landstar agent and let me put it on my load board for 15 minutes before you put it on the broker board. That's all I asked for. Just give me 15 minutes. And I would post that and stuff. And sometimes I'd get a call and I'm like, okay, let's do it. And then sometimes he'd be like, your time's up. I'm like, all right, post it. But I'd still be working it. And, and like I said, I was broke. 2008, uh, I had to get my truck back and, and started doing this. But I remember moving loads for 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks. And like I said, I'd get up at four in the morning. I worked till 11. And there was times I set up a mattress and I'd sleep in the office basically just to get back up, you know, so I wouldn't, you know, disturb, wake my wife up. And, but it took, it took time. It took a lot of that. And then eventually, like I said, you get to customers and I, you know, and I, I quote a front load, they'd call me back. And then every time I'm like, Hey, just for my own record. So I can kind of keep a reference. How far off was I, you know, where was I in that? Was I in the ballpark? Where was the I, I on pricing? Um, just to kind of te- you know train myself and teach myself where what things were actually moving for and things like that. After I did give a price, and then I moved in overdimensional, um, and I learned everything I could possibly learn about overdimensional. And then I've been doing that for twelve years, so to the point that it's just like it's in my head now, man. I can rifle off quotes and prices and laws. And you just called me today, and you're like, "Hey, what's this? This? This?" I'm like, "Hang on," you know, and I'm pulling this stuff and I'm pulling this and uh, giving this information, but. That took a long time, right? Well, you know, what it sounds like to me is you mastered your craft or you're working to master your craft. Yeah. I, which, I, as a truck driver, it's so surprising that there's nothing more other than how to chain a load, how to strap a load, hours of service, where to park, best fuel rates, where to sleep, buying your truck, managing your maintenance, right? Like there's... It seems like there's so much focus in the trucking industry from the trucker side that is focused strictly around the truck of operation. Right. And the stuff about that truck. But as far as a business model that accompanies that knowledge about said truck that's developed to the industry of trucking, there's almost no relevance of that. There's no evidence of it anywhere. So it's, it's uh, it, it's strange because it's like, man, here you are mastering a craft, taking the time to do the research. Well, hours. and then, yeah, and then you get a person who doesn't know their numbers, which what we suffer from all the time dealing with owner operators is a <laughs> lot of times it's like guys don't know the numbers, and then it's like, but here's all this packet of information we put online for you, which is the only reason I do my YouTube channel to literally give you a one stop shop of where you can gain all the knowledge I've I've learned over all these years and I'm putting this here for you for free, please access it. And then it's like, ah, I just don't have time. What and that's why we started this show. That's why we started this as a call-in show. And we're going to do it every Wednesday. And I know this is the first one and eventually, you know, it'll start to you know, you know, get out there. And, it, and I'm looking at this the same way. This is something that has to build, right? This is something that has to build. You have to grow it. You have to put it out there. And 
I, I just think it, it's a lot of the stuff that we're going to, I'd like to try to do is this, is this type of stuff. It's like, because there are different business models. There's a FedEx custom critical business model, which means my price might be expensive, but I got two drivers in the truck. I show up, it's, I drive it straight through. There's, you know, uh, it, you know, it's, it's nonstop and things like that, but it's not cheap. I'm not your first call. I'm your last call, but you're going to pay that last call price, right? Um, and that's a that's a business model. They're okay, you know. That's just uh, I I went over that. Just trucking does that business model. He probably calls brokers in the morning and says, "Hey, you got any loads that are getting hot? Well, this one's starting to get hot. All right, here's my price for that one. If I'm still around at the end of the day, I, you got to give me an hour notice, and I can still be there. And they use they probably call him at that time and say, "Okay, go get it." Because we've tried all day long trying to move this, and it, we didn't move it. That's a business model. Now you got to be able to take enough money to sit because your services might not be needed because nobody else is in a rush. But when they are needed, you get the price you want. And you also have to be like you're not going to do that in Wyoming, but you might do it in Atlanta, Georgia, right? And you might do it in that freight market. And Knowing where you where you live in the freight market, you this is all part of this industry to master that aspect of it. It's not just slamming the doors, closing the doors, and working your ELD. It's it's okay. What market am I in? What market am I going to? What's coming out of this market? Uh, well, maybe I should base my rate on that because I'm going up into Wyoming, and you know I got hundreds of miles to try to find freight out of there. I'll probably have to deadhead. And this is, a, I think, a lot of stuff that when new drivers come in, they saw a lot of that big money. And then when that money went away, they're like, uh-oh. Now what? Well, I mean, they were, they're relying on, you know, the scariest thing in the world is to wake up, open your phone, open your computer, go online, and look at a load board that is basically dictating the success of your business. Correct. That is a scary thought. Imagine if imagine if Walmart were to go open their doors, look out in the parking lot, and if they saw five people at 5 a.m., and they let's say they only had five hours to make a decision, five hours to get all the sales in, they're going to get in. All the customers are going to be available are going to come only in five hours. If you open the door on your first hour and first hour goes by and you see nobody in the parking lot and you're down to four hours, it's going to get really nervous racking really quick. Right. right? It's mm -hmm. the same way on the load board. So living that model where it's like, well, I'm going to rely on this, this computer screen and this one load board I've invested my time and energy and money into learning. Mm -hmm. And if nothing shows on this, well, we're out of business. And, right. and, and, you know, that's, that's the scary part of it. So, you know, to the other comment that was made about the whole, like not liking the broker situation. Mm -hmm. If that broker has a contract, you better hope like hell he has a contract and you better hope like hell that customer is moving things. And you need to hope like hell that that broker is able to work with you or wants to work with you. Right. Because if you're on the load board, you're dependent upon that person maintaining a contract because I can't, like I said earlier, I can't go approach that customer. It's not right. like they want to talk to me. They don't want me as a person because they don't want the headache. They want right. a mastermind who's handling all of it. So I better hope you have a contract. 
Because if I don't, and my sole business is relying upon guys like you to do these things, what happens if you guys just pack up and walk off? Right. Well, we're out of business, you know? And so it's a fine balance that everybody is working a key factor in this business. And I think if you only look at things from a one dimensional aspect, you're doing yourself no justice and you're leaving yourself no opportunity. And basically you're shutting off the doors to gaining any more knowledge about your industry, which basically puts you in a box of saying, Hey, this is as good as it gets. And if that's all you're wanting to do, like I said before, that's fine. Uh, but you know, for other people that have aspirations of growth or success or, or, or making something happen for yourself and your family long-term to de develop that generational wealth, you're going to, you're going to want to do a little bit more than just saying, Hey, sales guys suck and brokers suck. And, uh, you know, damn them all. I don't need them. And because if you do that, I mean, it's, it's essentially a, a surefire way to, to not only damage your reputation, but to put yourself in a box where you're, you have an opinion of how these guys are. And I see it all the time on social media, social media all the time. Like ugh, these brokers, we just need to pack our trucks and sit for 48 hours. This country come to turmoil. It's yeah. going to go to its knees. And it's like, dude, I'm telling you right now, if you don't want that envelope full of cash, buddy, park your truck. I'll be happy to go pick that pack, you know, that envelope of cash up off the ground for you. Because, I mean, when I did my sales job, it was literally the dictation to us was we'll know how well you do your job by how thick that envelope is at the end of the week. Mm. Plain and simple. And you, I think you bring up a good point, too. It's like, I, I, you know, I don't think they thought of it. And even me, it's like th thinking about that. They're dependent on that load board and something popping up. And they look at that load board. And if something doesn't pop up, they could sit for days. Right. You could sit like, oh, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Something will come. It's almost like gambling. Right. It's almost like ring, waiting for the, the, the strike. Ring. Right. And, and they're pulling that lever. But when nothing pops up, it's they just they it's, they're feeding that coin because you still have a truck payment. You still have a trailer payment. Well, maybe. But you still have insurance. You still have this. And you would think that a lot of them were like, just in case. How do I get myself into a position that I don't just have to look at this? You would think more of them would say, well, you could, you know, reach out to brokers and build a relationship with a broker. That's a first, that's a level one, right? That's a level one of not pulling the, that board, you know? All right. What's, you know, what's level two? Well, possibly getting a contract with a broker and being consistent. Level three might be finding your own customer. If you, if you have your own numbers, finding your own customer, but it, it you bring up a good point is like, they, they stop at that level, that first level of the slot machine. And, and that's not the only thing in the casino, bro. You could win way bigger money if you learned how to possibly play the, the, the roulette, you know, poker. Most of, or, most of it, it is. Most of them, it's, it's like the way I view it sometimes is that you only know enough to do just barely what you're doing now. But you're okay with just doing what you're doing now because it pays you. It's like, you know, I, I tell people all the time. The only difference between you being a success and being at the pinnacle of your career and the pinnacle of your market, the only difference between you and the guy above you is ignorance. The only thing. So the only person, if you go, if you go into a, a burger joint, a fast food joint, you got a guy that only knows how to do the buns and he knows how to do the ketchup and mustard. Then you got a guy that knows how to flip the burgers and lay down the fries. 
Then you got the guy that knows how to add the cheese, the lettuce, the pickles, the onions, the tomatoes, and then wrap it up. That's all he knows how to do, condiments and wrap. And then you got the guy in the front that only knows how to be the cashier. Well, all those people individually, if they never have any desire to go past where they are in that current position, that's fine. They're technically making money. However, you only know how to do the buns. Your manager, on the other hand, the reason they're the manager is they know how to do all the items on the line. So because they know how to do all the items, including the cash register, they're now the manager. But they get paid more than you, but they have to do a little bit more work than you. And so they have a little bit more education, just a little bit more training, and now they get paid just a little bit more. And so as you go up in this situation, it's like all these people are making just a little bit more money and a little bit more money and doing a little bit better. But if you don't take the time to understand those positions, you have sealed your fate and said, so here is my max level. I live here. I will never gain a ground. I will never go higher. And I don't want to know. I want to remain ignorant and I want to remain at this threshold and below. And to me, that is the most asinine thinking I could ever see somebody do where it's like, man, that guy over there, that guy with 60 trucks. Yeah. He drives a Rolls Royce to his business and his business gets to pay for the lease on the Rolls Royce. Why are you showing up in a Pinto and a business or into a yard in front of your truck. And and the only difference between it is he knows something you don't. He's learned something you haven't. Right. And so to be in that situation where these guys only know enough to operate at the level they're currently operating at. And if it ever exceeds that, it's too much. It's, it's almost like, man, you know, I prime prime case and example, I have brand new carriers, brand new carriers that I dispatch with work with and things like this. And in the pinnacle time of their open deck career right now, the first 90 days of their business, 180 days of their business, when they should be on the road working until their, you know, their body falls apart, Mm. they should be putting every dime they can until that actually happens until they work until they can die in the first 80, you know, 180 days, unless they do that, the business doesn't have enough in reserves of capital to successfully push itself through the, the, the more dull months, like the winter. Right. So that's coming up. But what are they doing instead? They're out on the boat. They're out at the lake. They're fishing. They're hanging with fam. You know, man, I just bought this truck. Big baller work for myself now. You know, I'm going to get after it when I get after it. Well, you're, what you're going to find out is your business is going to go boom real quick. And the boom you hear is going to be the floor as your freaking business bounces off of it into, you know, failure land. And that's that's the problem. It's like the work ethic has to come behind it, especially if you open your own business. You go to work for yourself. You just turn yourself into a 24-hour clock. Your phone's never off. You're never alone. You're never yeah. by yourself, and you're always working. So I just personally think that a lot of these guys, they have a certain knowledge, whereabout basis. I mean, do I know guys that have 30 years in, and I know you do too. 30 years in can tell me every hill, every grade, every truck stop, every mile marker to every good shitter and eatery, every one of them. But they couldn't tell me how to develop a business plan where I could hire owner operators in, see any form of a profit margin or who would the best trucking CPA would be for my business. Right. They don't have that knowledge. And how is that? How have you been in this game 30 years and never gained that? That's amazing to me. To me, that is, that is, that is the truest definition of a technician that suffers from an entrepreneurial seizure. That is an absolute guy who knows his gig, but he only knows his gig. 
Right. Nothing more. And, and that's if you, and I think that's the issue. If you want to be there, fine. But don't complain about the guy that took the next step. Right. I, I mean, if you want to be that guy, be like, dude, this is all I want to do. I'm good with this. I'm, I'm locked in. I'm cool with this. But when you step up and then you start to complain about the other people that have taken the other step, that have got direct customers, that have pushed themselves, that have knocked on doors, that have done this to say, hey, this is the role I want to play in this industry. And you bash that guy because of your inadequacies that you can't do it. What's wrong with you? Right. Well, and I think that's where yeah. the frustration lies, right? Because it's not something. It's just like I said, just talking the thing. I'm not doing something you can't do. I'm really not. And I, I said that to him in the chat. I'm not doing. He obviously knows how to sell. He obviously knows how to, you know, to, to market. I'm not doing something he could not do. Now, if he doesn't want to do it, that's fine. If he were to ask, I'd be like, well, here's how. But it's not so I don't I haven't I, I didn't create this logistical thing. I don't have any special skills other than I worked my ass off for the knowledge and the and to build the relationships and to be there. Now, I, I, have I had people try to backdoor me? Oh, 100 percent. I've had people try to walk in the back door. And the first thing my guy says to him is. If you miss the delivery, are you willing to pay one hundred thousand dollars a day? Nope, they're not. And they're like, because that's the contract. And now it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't, but it's one of those things that it's like, I, there have, I have had to do that. I've had to put my name on that piece of paper. And now I charged to make sure that everything was covered. Like I said, we had two trucks, but you, you think I had a good night's sleep that night? N no. Do you think I'm not on, I, I'm not on a, a anti-acid uh, ulcer pills here? Yeah, I am, guys. I have given myself ulcers doing this job, basically, because it's like every night I'm like, oh, God, please don't ring. Please don't ring. Please don't ring. Please don't ring. Because I know if it rings at eight o'clock at night and I'm under one of my loads. Yeah. We got wrong. yeah. And some well, of my is heavy enough that it takes two cranes. <laughs> well, And, you know, it's funny, man, is that uh, I heard from an old guy when I was when I first started to go on business for myself and things were actually going okay. Um, and I had, you know, I had some room to take a little bit of time off, you know, and it not, not in a sense that it was like a long time off. I mean, we're talking maybe two or three days out of the week in addition to the weekend. So I made a, an extended weekend out of it. Right. And uh, I remember I was sitting there and I was talking to him and I said, man, I just feel guilty. And right. he said, guilty. And he said, for what? And I said, man, for, you know, just taking time. I know guys are out working or whatever. And he said, you know, he said, he goes, man, Never in your life again feel guilty for working harder or smarter than the next guy. Because if they wanted to do exactly what you're doing, they could. The truth is, and this is the truest definition, if you watch Instagram or, or all these social medias and you're believing the hype that hard work equals you making a shitload of money, you're an idiot. Hard work didn't just make you money. Because if all hard work was, if that's all it was to be successful in the world, buddy, everybody would be a millionaire. Right. The bottom line is it's not just hard work. You have to know what you're doing. And, you know, it's crazy because you can get somebody to give you $10,000 to invest in, in a stock mm -hmm. instantly. I can get somebody to do that in a day. Mm -hmm. I can't get somebody to put $10,000 on their own name. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, that's the most disappointing thing mm -hmm. I've ever seen is that as Americans, 
we're so freaking enamored with the social media hype of looking like we're somebody. All the all the poor people dress up to look fancy and all the rich people dress down to look normal. Right. It's the most amazing world I've ever seen and nobody yeah, can seem I, to get the philosophy. Dude, I still drive a 2009 F150. Why? Cuz it's not broke. It has not given me any issues. <laughs> and it's that that's my truck. Now I don't go anywhere and stuff like that, but when it comes to phones and making sure my customers can get a hold of me, look at this place. I mean, I, I obviously have me put where's my overhead cam here? Hang on, let me turn this off. <laughs> You're Ooh. living in a radio shack. I make sure that I've got access to computers and phones and things like that so that if something happens, I am not going to let that happen. And and that's something, like I said, it is, this is, I got two computers over there. I got a computer here. I got this computer and I'm doing this. But when it, when it comes, I'm lucky now I'm in a situation that the freight that I move is project based and, and it kind of goes, you know, I might do this, I might do this, but then, you know, some of the stuff can take me a month to move one piece. But that's what I've chosen to do, right? And and that's the niche that I've got myself into. Um, and then, of course, I don't I don't like posting on on the load board. I don't like giving it to people I don't know. I'd rather give it to the guy that if you know if he doesn't uh, haul my load, I can jump on YouTube and go live and scream his name until he picks up my load because he's also on YouTube, um, which I will do. No, um, but it, I, I it's that type of stress that to make things happen that you have to be ready to step up into that position and be like, yeah, I got this because they, they, that's what the customer wants to hear. The customer wants to know that their product is going to get there because if they don't get it there in time, they might get a performance uh, hit and they might be paying for it. They might have to pay a thousand dollars or $10,000 or a, a day because the pipe didn't get there in time to be put in the ground and finish the project. Well, and and, there's no room for excuses either. Right. And the customer, the customer doesn't want to, you know, want to hear, well, let me see. They, they, yeah, I got this. I got it. It'll be there. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to freaking strap it down to a U-Haul trailer <laughs> and I'll drag it to you. I'm going to do whatever I can. Yeah. You know, to get it to you because, you know, again, I, you know, real quick, I joke around because I people send me these videos and stuff of, of ridiculous uh, vehicles hauling ridiculous loads, right? You know, you see them on YouTube and you see them on, on uh, Twitter and, and stuff like that. I'm thinking to myself, the only thing that goes through my head is performance clause. Performance. They don't care. You know, <laughs> you've got somebody's <laughs> in a pickup truck and the pickup truck's like this and it's hauling all steel. And I think to myself, that's probably a performance clause that somebody screwed up. And he's like, I'm going to pick it up in my F-150 and I'm going to load 5,000 pounds in it. And I don't care about the truck. Uh, but that's that's the nerve. That, like I said, that's what, you know, my customers don't want excuses. They well, won't. I think another thing people don't probably know, normal general populace probably has no idea. But logistics never, ever turns off. Never. never. And I mean, it's 24-7. I mean, I've got... I don't even know if I've got the photo. I may have the photo. I may have to. I may have. You wearing those boots? I don't want to see that photo. No, you know the boots. I, I'm telling you right now. I'm going to buy those boots. And I buy when, those I, boots. when I rock those boots, I'm going to send you a pair. And I, you know, it's going to be hey, one of those. The, the trucking guys here. The trucking oh, guys. He just. You go. I He's see him. That I don't know where the photo is. Yeah. Um. But. I went on a I went on a cruise last year. Uh, which nice. I have I, not been on vacation in years. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't do it twice. Uh, but in that period of time, 
I set up most of my trucks to handle, um, there we go right here to handle most of my stuff. So you guys can see this is, this is no joke. That is the balcony of a cruise ship. And he's got a laptop, got a laptop up the vapes out and I'm freaking dispatching trucks from the cruise ship. So, so you guys understand it never ends. It never ends. And so even in that situation, right, it wasn't it, you know, I set up most of my stuff to try to make it as easy on myself as I could. Yeah. But it still never ends. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people in general have no understanding about is, is the level of work that a person is putting in, a driver's putting in, a carrier puts in, Absolutely. the brokers put in, the customers put in to give you you know, that hot tub with the ball tickler 3000. I mean, that joker, somebody is working on making that jet somewhere in the country or out outside of the country, outside of the country, right? 24 seven. Correct. And, yeah. and this is, like I said, so this, there's a lot here and, and this is kind of the, some of the stuff that I, and this is the first show we're doing together and we're going to do a lot more, but this is some of the stuff that we're going to kind of go over. We, I want to be able to answer questions, have people call in say, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, and kind of talk about this is, but this is the real reality of it. It is not something that, like I said, I've been in a long time and it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not something that it's just like, God, I wish, I wish I could call a customer, have them give me a quote, post a load and then I'm done. And and it was that simple. I wish it was just like that. You know, but it's not. I, I wish I had an army of sales dudes. <laughs> and, and this is the stuff that you know. The, this is the reality of it, right? It's and the, a lot of the stuff that's happening um, in regards to the brokers and the carriers and the stuff that's doing that. If you're out to just running that load board after six, seven, eight months or a year, and all you have is the load board, I'm gonna be honest with you. You're doing something wrong. Because I, I don't use the load board. I don't want the load board. It's the last resort. I, 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 Cash, you just started being a broker, and it's your last resort. You don't even want to use the load board. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, no, no. no I have no. contacts. And, he, you know, and where he's just gaining contacts, I have them where I very rarely have to. And he's just gaining them as a newer broker, and he still doesn't want to use the load board. He'd rather no. make that no i mean and the, the thing is with the load board right if i'm on the load board i've exhausted resources already yes that's Absolutely. the thing that that's the thing i don't think you know the people that live on that spot market they don't understand like once it gets to that spot market i'm looking for basically anybody and yep. now it's like i i i have to do way more evaluation because I'm now checking out a carrier. I have no idea who this person is. I have no idea if they're worth a darn. I have no idea if they're if they're going to make it out. And I've got to evaluate them inside of about a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah. And I've got to find out if they're going to be okay. And then I've got to trust and hope like hell that all they say and all their record says about them actually comes true. Right. But no, I mean, yeah, from a from a standpoint of that being my primary term of like, oh, I can't wait to go post this on the load board and see what shakes. Uh, <laughs> no, like, I, I'd rather just call somebody I know direct. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no worries. And I mean, the other thing, like like we had mentioned, right? So you guys that are to sum this up to some degree. You have to develop the infrastructure of a business. Yes. No questions. You have to put in safety folks. You're going to have to put in dispatchers. You're going to have to put in sales team. You're going to have to put in managers 
of each department, HR at some point, you know, and these are things that are just going to come in phases. But again, we're in an industry where the mass majority of owner operators, which comprises, I think the ratio is still about 96.4% of the industry is comprised of 20 trucks and less operators. So you're talking about these small mom and pop businesses. And if you don't develop an infrastructure for your business, if you don't develop those things, you're relying on yourself in the truck it is a surefire way to kiss the entire thing goodbye if something goes wrong. Okay. And that's, you have to make that transition as quickly as you can. But I would say without a doubt, the business is not for any faint of heart people. I mean, if you're, if you're not prepared and if you're not a critical thinker or problem solver, boy, this industry is not for you as it's a quick short show for most people. If they don't know any better, you yeah. can't be on vacation when you need to be working. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I'm going to do basically then, I think we're going to end this one here um, as the anniversary first episode. Um, it went well. He, he, he did his green screen. That was fantastic. Uh, we started a little bit later that because Will was going. But I, like I said, guys, this is going to be something I'm going to do on Wednesdays. I'm going to be changing times to 5.30 to 7. So I'll be 5.30 Eastern Standard Time to 7. Uh, hang on, let me show this real quick. Um, so I, I just because at that point, then, you know, I'm going to have that time slot for me. I'm going to do it Monday through Thursday. So this will be the Wednesday show. Um, so different things that pop up with logistics. If I run into something or if I get questions by email or some of the people that, I, you know, I've helped um, say, hey, I have a question. I'm going to fire that away. If you guys have questions, if somebody wants to come on and, and you know, talk about that, you guys are welcome. Let me know. I can get you on the show and, you know, answer questions or tell us, you know, what aspect of this is in. I'll try to bring you if, if I bring interview people in for logistics and stuff like that. I But I want win, Wednesdays to be based on that logistics type thing. Now, just so everybody knows, uh, you guys can go to sagenewslive.com. Um, and I have a lot of other places this is going to be. Um, I'm going to actually upload it to my podcast. So if you just want to download the podcast and listen to us, the podcast, you can. Um, I do have a factoring deal. Um, it's under 2%. Um, and no ACH fees. If you, if that's something you're interested in right now, reach out to me because I have a lot of people switching now that, um, you know, since freight's going down, they'd rather save a little bit and still get a great factoring company. Um, but it also covers a brokerage. So if down the road, you're looking to have a brokerage also get a factoring company that does both, because if you don't, it's very difficult to, you know, like I said, for getting credit and stuff like that. So we had one question. I just, I didn't want to interrupt yeah. you, but we had one question there. Right. Um, Going up there, uh, I think it was Arkansas Whoopass. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, question: Is there a difference between just-in-time system versus the warehouse delivery system, and is one more stable and easier to operate, and etc.? Okay. You want me to do it? Go for it. All right. So, the just-in-time system is a system that basically you get it just in time. Uh, automotive. It was a. Uh, a strength for the automotive industry because they didn't have to put in a, a warehouse. They didn't have to pay for warehouse people, taxes, property taxes, electricity, and all this other stuff. But it was that if that just in time um, system broke, you would have an assembly line that would sit waiting for that part. So the drawback to that is if when the system does go into a broken system, like we found out during the um, vid situation, we have problems, but it's cheaper because of the warehouse situation. So when you're dealing with a, with a country like China, 
where their manufacturing has been doing it for a long time. They're fast, they're optimal, and they can get it to us, unfortunately, just in time works. As you start to switch away from China, which we're now doing this now, we actually are decoupling from China and trying to get away from them. And we're going to countries like India, Mexico, Vietnam, and all these other countries. They're not set up with their manufacturing to be as efficient as China. Now we need more warehousing. Well, the more warehousing we have, it actually bumps the cost of the goods up. Because like I said, now you have to pay for warehouse people, taxes, electricity, water, building, and all this other stuff. So there's a lot of that. We're now switching, and this is why a lot of warehouses are going up. We're decoupling ourselves away from China, probably because we're going to be going to conflict with them, um, and pulling into that warehouse industry, which will raise the cost of goods a little bit because rather than just getting it just in time, we're, we're paying to store it now and possibly move it twice. Like There are times things would come over, hit a cross dock and be delivered to the automotive. Now it's going to be, you know, if it's still done overseas, it's going to come overseas, hit a cross dock, hit a warehouse, and then go when it's needed. So it's a little extra step, not just in time, it, uh, but it's there, where, you know, at least it's here in this country and things might not shut down if China says we hate your guts and we're not shipping to you anymore. Well, and, and that little, that little one stop, just so we're clear, will result in millions of charges yes so that's millions of dollars what additional stop i mean that's a lot of money when you start to talk about a lot of warehouses and a lot of shipments that that additional fee is it's logistics numbers are astronomical astronomical i mean just to think about a one container ship might have ten thousand containers coming in from china at one time ten thousand containers times twenty thousand dollars a container on one boat on one ship, and there was a hundred ships out there. I, I'm not doing the math. Uh, it's it's a large number. I'm just telling you that I'm not doing the math, but it's a large number. <laughs> it's that's beyond my calculating power in my head. Oh, and I don't have a calculator with me. So that being said, like I said, I appreciate everybody swinging in here, even if you weren't in the trucking industry or if you were in the trucking industry. Um, I, I do appreciate you swinging in cash. I, I appreciate you getting everything you needed to make this happen and look good. Although you do look good, even if you didn't get the green screen and so appreciate it. Up. Um, but it's, and, and like I said, if you guys want to check out the podcast, go ahead and go to uh, sagenewslive.com. You can check out cash is King. I'm sorry. You can check out cash, uh, hauling cash on his, uh, YouTube page. Uh, I just thought, cause I want to have cash is King on. So now I have him in my head cause I want to reach out to him. So hauling Cash's YouTube page, he does um, usually when problems arise, he immediately goes live. Uh, normally, he sends me a text and says, you believe this? And next thing you know, he's live venting about it. Um, so that's usually where a lot of his YouTube videos come from. Um, I've learned that. But yeah, so besides that, guys, thanks for swinging in. And uh, any last words? Any last words there, Cash? Man, you just... If you're not in this industry, have respect for the people that are in the industry. Understand what they're trying to accomplish with their protesting. Understand how impactful this AB5 bill is to our industry. It's it's impactful to a lot of industries, but just understand what it is to us. And uh, for all you guys in the logistics industry, I challenge you to do more than what you're doing today. Uh, read a little bit more. Educate yourself a little bit more. 
and uh, push yourself a little bit more and don't be that uh, technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. Uh, be a real true investor and a businessman or woman. Absolutely. Also, I just dropped um, Wills. Uh, my co-host is in there. He's still live right now, so I just dropped his link in there. If you haven't checked him out, he does a completely different show than mine. Uh, but like I said, something you might want to check out. So that being said, I think I'm going to cut the music and kick us both out of here. What do you think? Hey, I'm good, man. See you later right. next week. Music. Stay away. I'm a savage. I'm a savage. Drop the classic. Drop the classic. We out. Drop the classic. Drop the classic. Too established. Too established. That's the magic. That's the magic. It's automatic. Got a mask. Who was that? Living legend. Lethal weapon. Master mind. Never tired. Tell them all. Tell them all. Big dreams, I got big dreams since like baby. I've been joining forces with the likes of an A-team. Jumping off of buildings used to be so stimulating. Now I'm reaching new heights. I'ma need the off-white. Play with the fire, you get burned. All of my struggles became lessons well learned. I got desires that keep me grounded, that's for sure. Cause one day we gon' make it out this earth. Where's your worth? I'm sick of your talking, you got the wrong one. I'm taking your king and I leave him broken. If I am in second, it's after no one. Just give me a second to let him know. I'm the headline, the deadline. I'm ahead time, the rare kind. I'm a living legend, lethal weapon, master, fire. Big time.